0: She is sure she is strong she is strong is true she is true She is brave she is brave she is bold she is you She is is She is sure she is strong she is strong she is true she is true She is brave is brave she is bold she is bold She
1: is you Good afternoon everyone Welcome to today's Word of Mom Radio here on the Word of Mom Media Network. I'm your host, Dory DiCarlo, and you know we are here week after week, show after show, breaking those myths that mompreneurs and businesswomen, especially those of us building our businesses from home, that we're dabbling in between bake sales and getting our nails done. We're not. We are smart, we are savvy, and we are sharing the wisdom of women in business and in life and I'm looking forward to bringing today's guest on the show. Anne-Marie DeMarco is a pediatric occupational therapist. She currently works in the birth-to-three setting and owns a private practice where she provides in-home pediatric occupational therapy services to young adults, children, toddlers, and infants. Anne-Marie takes a holistic approach to treatment. During each session, she's in constantly evaluating overall development, sensory processing, and the child's environment in order to help her clients and their families to achieve their goals. She's passionate about educating caregivers and parents with regard to their child's sensory processing needs while improving overall growth and fine motor development. Anne-Marie's goal as an occupational therapist is to ultimately improve a child's independence with their activities of daily living, such as play, sleep, meal time, bath time, family outings, and dressing, Anne-Marie specializes in working with toddlers with autism spectrum disorder and infants who were born prematurely. Anne-Marie's expanded her professional development knowledge in primitive reflex integration, sensory processing, and teaching healthy sleep habits for infants and their families. She believes therapy should be a fun experience and strives to help children improve their independence and achieve their goals. So, with all of that being said, Anne Marie, welcome to Word of Mom Radio.
2: Thank you, Dory. Thanks for having me.
1: It's my pleasure. We have been doing a lot of different shows that are helping parents know different things it's because. Let's face it, right now, we're still not back to school full-time. There aren't the services that are out there on a daily basis that we were used to. So it's so important for parents to know the resources that are out there. So right off the top, explain what an occupational therapist is and what you do.
2: Yeah, so I always like to start with the word occupation because sometimes, people get a little bit confused. So when you think of occupations, I always ask people to think about activities. So basically an occupation is any activity that you participate in. So that could be play, that could be meal time, that could be for little ones, potty training, sleep. Um, it could also be their leisure activities, whether that's, you know, kayaking in the summer or it's skiing in the winter occupations really are whatever are meaningful and purposeful to you as an individual. And the, I think what I love the most about occupational therapy is, you know, once I start with a family or working with a child, one of the first questions that I ask is what, you know, what are their preferences? What do they really like to do? Because by focusing on what's meaningful and purposeful to a child um, or a young adult, or even an infant. We or not, infants have these preferences too. Um, we can improve independence and quality of life, and that really helps to facilitate their progress when they're interested and invested in the therapy sessions by, you know, what, what I'm doing. With.
1: When you're doing a session with occupational therapy, let's look at eating. Mm-hmm. And especially if an infant is premature and may not have that going on yet in their, how do you work with them?
2: Yeah. So again, like I take a very holistic approach when it comes to occupational therapy. So a lot of the um, infants that I'm working with, you know, I always talk about their corrected age too. So that's also something I wanted to touch touch base on. So, you know, if, if an infant is seven months old, but they were born two months prematurely developmentally. They're really five months old. And I think that's really important for parents to understand because development in the first year of life, so much happens. So when you bring your, you know, your, your baby to the doctor and they're telling you, Oh, they should be, you know, sitting up and doing this and that. And you're like, Oh my gosh. And you're, you know, you get nervous about it. But in reality when you correct for their age, most of the time, you know, it's not always, but most of the time they're really on target um, with some of those skills. So, um, you know, that's definitely something to be aware of. And then as far as, say, you know, eating for an infant, um, a lot of what I look at when I'm working with, with premature babies is, are they dealing with reflux? Can they spend some time on their tummy? Are they getting fatigued and they're really not able to? Are they in the same position all the time? Do they have tight neck muscles? You know, we're looking in their mouth, we're looking at their tongue, at their cheeks, their lips. Is there a tongue tie? Is there a restriction that's going to impact their feeding? So there's a lot to look at even before you get to that occupation or activity of feeding. Because while we can still work on that, and I will definitely always give strategies um, you know, say reflux is an issue. There's always strategies to be given to help with with reflux, but also I really have a good group of people that I refer out to as well. So, you know, whether that be an ear, nose, and throat doctor, a nutritionist, a chiropractor, um, just giving, giving families more information about the root cause of an issue, whether especially, you know, with feeding, a lot of premature infants do have issues with that so you know sometimes it could just be the texture of the food and it's just as simple as that and that's you know okay but I really like to make sure there's nothing else going on more globally because if there is then we really need to address that
1: first and then move on from there you know you have mentioned tongue-tied I know people have heard that expression but so many people don't know what that is right what is that
2: so the, the term is, it's tethered oral tissue. So it's basically the frenulum underneath the tongue. It's kind of like that little stringy piece that we have. We have it above the lips um, and on the sides of, you know, the inside of our cheeks as well. Um, and what happens is when that isn't long enough, it's not stretching enough. Um, and you see this in premature infants as well because, or I don't want to say majority, but that's where I'm seeing it mostly these days. Um, I think that we're also trained more to, to understand and, and identify what it is. But when that is occurring, it does get very difficult for our little ones to move their tongue back and forth. So moving food from side to side in their mouth um, breathing at night and sleeping, it could lead to sleep disordered breathing, which is a whole nother realm, which is also something that we want to, you know, we want to look for because if your baby isn't sleeping, you aren't sleeping and your occupations are also affected by, by that as well. So what's happening with premature babies is because the tongue as it's being formed, if they're born prematurely, the length of that, it doesn't decrease in size that's high. So it's supposed to decrease as you get closer and closer to, to birth. But our, our little ones that are premature, it's not quite, I don't wanna say it disappears, but it, it shrinks in size so that your tongue is able to stretch and move side to side. Um, a, a huge myth that we always hear is that if a child can stick their tongue out, that they're not tongue tied and that's not true. Um, you really should be evaluated and I can, you know, I'm able to um, identify and let families know if I think a further full evaluation should be done. And I, you know, I definitely am very honest and open about it because it definitely can impact a lot of what our babies are, are doing. How are you different from other occupational therapists? So I think you know, having my own company, the, the reason that I really started my own company was because I wanted to focus on um, sensory processing and primitive reflexes, and I felt as though I wasn't really able to fully do that. So I thought, and also something else to be said about those two areas is they're really relatively newer and by newer I mean sensory processing is in like the 70s and reflexes are about the 80s so even though it seems like you know it wasn't that long ago but it might seem like longer ago it's still really up and coming and there's you know there's still research to be done but the information that we have and the studies that have been done on coming to reflexes and sensory processing really goes to show that it's our foundation um, so those are two areas that I became very interested in. And I thought, well, if that's our foundation. We really need to make sure that our foundation is on an even keel before moving, moving on and moving forward. So, you know, say, for instance, with primitive reflexes, you know, a child, um, there's one called the backhand palmar which is known as a palmar graft. So when an infant is little, and you place your finger in their palm, they're going to seize your finger. That's a reflex. That's starts to integrate or, you know, disappear, become more voluntary as the child gets older. If that reflex sticks around and you touch a child's palm or they're trying to write with a pencil or color with a crayon or feed themselves with a fork, they don't have control over what their hand is doing. Their handwriting is, they're going to have trouble. They're going to struggle with their handwriting they're going to have difficulty feeding themselves. So, you know, socially as well, like kids know. And sometimes, you know, if they're not able to feed themselves and they're six or seven years old, um, you know, they can't really use their utensil the correct way. You know, it also becomes a, their social impact as well um, for lunchtime and, you know, breakfast with, with friends and all of that. So, um, you know, I think that I'm able to, because I have my own you know, my own setup and my own company, and this is what I go in telling parents, like, this is what I do, and I make sure that I'm a good fit for them, but most of the time, a lot of my private clients are dealing with retained reflexes and sensory processing issues, so I go in, and I explain to them exactly what it is that I do, and if it's a good fit, you know, we kind of go from there, but it's, um, something that I believe in. And I really think if you want a child to be, which we all do want children to be successful, if you're teaching them how to write, but they have a retained reflex, it's going to be very difficult for them. And it's going to become frustrating and they're going to be anxious and it just spirals. So to me, you know, I really wanted to start my own company. And I think because of that, that main
1: reason. It's interesting because very often, let's say that when you're in practice in an HMO and all of these different you have those time limits. They want it's turnover, turnover, turnover. So I really appreciate that you wanted to, because this isn't a therapy that just, they're parents that are dealing with their small children and a knowledge base that they don't have because the work that you do, I'm sure there's a lot of follow-up that the parents have to do as well yeah absolutely 100
2: percent. i always say like i'm there you know some of my families have me come by twice a week and that's you know two hours a, a week but they're with their child you know all day every day so the carryover is if there isn't any carryover i mean it's really 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 difficult to make progress it, it's almost impossible because you're essentially, you know, you're remapping the brain. You're creating these new connections. And if you're not constantly, you know, there's that saying, if you don't use it, you lose it. Well, that's, that's the case with reflexes. which you have to always be working on it. And even we, we call it, so after the reflex is integrated or after, you know, for example, with the palmar reflex, after a child has more control over what they're doing, you still have to continue to work on it for some time. It's not like you work on it, it's better in you know two months and then that's it. It there is there is carryover
1: absolutely. On that note, we're going to take a quick break. Say thank you to our sponsors, and we'll be back in just a moment here on Word of Mom Radio. She is brave. She is strong. She is you. Because you're that woman who's got a product or a service that you're looking to promote. Or you're out there seeking to support other women in business to help women learn, network, and build the businesses of their dreams. Because when you win, we win. Have you been
3: curious about CBD? Maybe you heard it helps relieve stress and balance your body, but you're not sure where to start? The most important thing when you're thinking about CBD is choosing a brand you trust and feel confident in. Altwell is a high-quality and effective CBD line. It's a family business with four generations in the wellness industry, and they poured all their experience, knowledge, and passion into making modern wellness attainable. Altwell uses only the highest quality, ethically grown hemp, carefully selected from Colorado farms. They triple test every product, and with every purchase, you can actually a lab report so you can see exactly what you're getting if you're new to cbd a great place to start is with topicals like altwell's balms and lotions to help ease achy muscles and their serums to moisturize and brighten your skin altwell is offering word of mom listeners a special discount so you can try it for yourself all you have to do is go to altwell.com and use code altwellmom at checkout for 25 percent off your first purchase exclusions apply
1: don't let the name fool you because stadiumbags.com has a line of clear bags that enable you to use your phone and your smart devices without removing them from your bag. Not only that, but the product is so good it'll stand up to the cleaning solvents that you need to use now to make sure that when you come home, you come home safely. So take a look at stadiumbags.com. You'll see why we're your clear choice to safety it's in the bag, and we're back here on Word of Mom Radio. We are talking with occupational therapist Anne Marie DeMarco. I'm finding this such a fascinating conversation. What do your services look like for somebody coming into you now?
2: I provide um, I provide in-home services, so I'm. Currently in Fairfield and New Haven County, I'm always open um, to traveling outside of, you know, those areas, but I do provide the in-home occupational therapy. So basically I'm having, you know, most people find me, um, you know, via social media or on my website. So usually what happens is my website, there is a contact form that families can fill out we'll then schedule like a 15 20 minute phone consultation. And again, I really just want to make sure that I'm a good fit for the family. So then if if things seem it does seem like I am a good fit, we'll move forward to schedule a time with an evaluation. And you know the evaluation again it can range between about an hour and hour and a half maybe. After that we'll set up our treatment session. So and I always tell families, you know, you can have me come in twice a month, uh, once a week or twice a week at any time you can say, okay, we're good. I'm what we're all set. You know, I never, um, have anybody sign something up because I have to come for a full year or, you know, anything like that. It's really up to the family. And if they want me coming more often, I will do that. If it's not, you know, that's fine too. I also provide, um, teletherapy services I think just it's always nice to have that as an option so I'm able to do that within the state of Connecticut and I actually as of like yesterday got my Florida OT license so I'm actually able to provide teletherapy in the state of Florida um, as well which is exciting so I'm, I'm able to do that I also travel to daycares um, play groups I give presentations on occupational therapy I just You know, I I love working with, working with the pediatric population and young adults. And I really, I I, I think that's my calling, but I also love informing people and educating people on occupational therapy because a lot of people don't, they, they, you know, they don't really know exactly what it is that, that we do. I think it's, you know, if they've had a friend, you know, that, you know, has had a child in, early intervention or a child that gets O2 services in school or, you know, anything like that, then you have an idea. Um, but there really is just so, so much that we are able to help with. So, I also do provide um, something called like a sensory activity list. So, it's basically, you know, as I get to know your child, I put together um, sensory activities that will basically help to, we call it like regulate them. So, you know, say your child is going back to school, um, they come home and they just have a really hard time kind of like decompressing and then having to focus again on homework. Um, We'll put together a sensory list to help your child to, you know, decompress in a way that's structured, but it's also preferred for them. Um, You know, maybe doing like, you know, some heavy work activities, which could be going outside and, um, you know, going on the monkey bars or climbing on playground equipment um, and like, you know, helping to bring the laundry upstairs, you know, making those muscles work a little bit harder, um, you know, giving them those motor breaks by, you know, riding on a bike, maybe before they sit down. So there's a lot that we can do to facilitate that regulated state that you know we want we want our we do want our kids eventually to be more independent with that but they also need us to guide them in those moments that they're not quite sure what to do to make themselves feel you know feel their best
1: how do you involve families we touched on it just a little bit before but really in that treatment process how do you work with the families and parents do the siblings get involved Yeah, so I'm always
2: open um, to working with siblings as well, especially during this past year and a half when really, you know, the sibling might have been the only peer interaction that my kiddos were getting. So that, it was a blessing in most cases because, um, you know, otherwise I don't know that they would have had that ability to really interact. So I do, like, I will always talk to the parent and let them know if they want to, be more hands-on I'll have them practice you know some exercises if we're working on reflexes I'll have them practice some exercises with me you know I'll kind of demonstrate to them what to do and then the parent can try it um I do like to bring um my own supplies as well so I'll bring you know I have my entire trunk is filled with stuff but I have you know therapy balls and I have putty and I have I mean anything that you can think of is there and um Basically, I'll bring those items with me, and if we find that, oh, you know, this little one that won't sit still for more than 30 seconds actually sat and played with a toy when there was a sensory component involved. So by sensory component, I mean, you know, if there's a puzzle, I'll wrap a puzzle piece in putty, and they'll they'll take it out, and they'll put it in the puzzle. Um, sometimes when there's a sensory piece, especially for our little ones, it just helps them to feel more regulated and they feel like okay I could sit for a little bit longer they're more involved Um, you know that that sense of touch is sometimes um, that there's their tactile system so that that helps to keep their attention as well so I'll always bring items and you know sometimes I have parents that just want to kind of like sit back and watch Um, I'll always email them at the end of each session with what worked and what didn't work it's I think it's important again like that carryover like I do like for them to be there with me because as I'm working through some things I can kind of explain to them what I'm doing and why I'm doing it because you know OT does look like it does it does look a lot like play you know so it's you know maybe I'm doing a sensory then with a child which and by that I mean you know rice you know dried rice or dried beans and I'm hiding items inside, or I'm hiding items around the room, and I'm pointing to the couch and telling them, okay, go get the red circle on the couch and put it, you know, so it looks like play, but we're working on so many skills, you know, during, during those times. So, you know, following a point, we're working on attention. I mean, I'm not a speech therapist, but I will work on language. I always say when a child is regulated and they they feel good, they're sometimes able to access their language a little bit, you know, more, especially if it's a highly preferred activity, you know, movement, like a swing outside the park, or we'll do a blanket swing inside the house, which is you take a blanket, you put it on the floor, I lift one side, mom or dad lifts the other side, and you slowly move them back and forth, and you wait for them to request, Does it? do they want more? So there's a ton of parent involvement and Even with, you know, siblings, sometimes I'll bring in, I guess, more like age-appropriate toys, like if there's a, you know, a two-year-old and a seven-year-old, but sometimes we're able to kind of find a common ground and we can work on, you know, whether it's sitting next to each other, that parallel play, or whether it's, you know, trading a toy, there's always, always a way to incorporate uh, families.
1: My middle son was Mm speech-delayed and started with ear infections and he was only nursed. Started at three months old. Maintenance meds. I kept fighting with them about doing the bilateral tubes because you can't tell me it's not delaying his speech. Mm -hmm. And, you know, doctors, it looks like a duck. It quacks like a duck. It's not an eagle. And, oh, there's no correlation. It's so ridiculous. But so I taught him to sign Mm -hmm. because he had to be able to express himself. On top of that, he had a sensory issue. At that point in his life, he would wear his clothes so skin tight because he couldn't feel things. He'd be sitting in a chair, and after a while, he'd fall out of the chair because he couldn't feel that he was sitting on it Mm -hmm. anymore. Amazingly grew out of that. How, you know, because there's not much you can do. At then, I mean, oh, God, I'm so old. He's 31. So, you know, 29 years ago, there were so few services around. Whereas now I feel that families happily have so much more support. It's so important for parents to be able to reach out to someone like you because the regular pediatrician's office isn't going to be able to handle stuff like this. This is not stuff that they're equipped to do. And it's really awesome. Do you only work with children or do you work with adults and teenagers?
2: I do yeah so you know I always say like everybody has sensory preferences so you know that could be you come home after a long day and you need to go in the other room and maybe you know turn off the lights and sit in the quiet and just relax I you know like you know, weighted blankets are all the rage right now, and OTs have been using weighted equipment, so for your son, that would have been something wonderful, a weighted vest or a weighted blanket, just to give him additional body awareness, you know, so that's what it sounds like to me, um, what he was feeling with that lack of where is my body, you know, in state, so um, I do, and I, you know, I am always very happy to collaborate with whether it's, you know, other schools, if it's, you know, an older an older child or a teenager that I am working with, I'm always happy to collaborate with other professionals that they might, you know, have involved, whether it's speech or whether it is a teacher at the school. I am always willing to kind of explain, you know, and again, cognitive reflexes and sensory processing, it's still relatively new. So I think any opportunity that I have to talk about it, I will take to talk about it with anybody that will listen. So I really, um, you know, I I look forward to, um, I mean, really working with children of any age, but also adults, because, you know, you, like I was saying, everybody has sensory preferences. So it's really about learning those preferences and understanding kind of, you know, what your body needs at what time to make yourself, you know, feel better. So I remember, you know, last year when we were home, I was working remotely and I don't sit still at all. Like ever during the day, I have, you know, six or seven visits that I go to, I'm all over the place, um. So for me, like that was, um, I'm sure for everybody, you know, but that was a major change for me. So I had to give myself motor breaks. I bought a yoga ball chair. I have a weighted blanket. I had putty at my desk. I would go for a walk, you know, two, three, because I had to. So I think even as adults, you know, adults can even learn some of their sensory processing, you know, strengths and weaknesses. There's even the sensory, I use a sensory profile. To evaluate and it's a pediatric profile but they also have them for adults so you know if ever anybody came to me and said I would love to learn my sensory preferences um you know could you help me like of course you know there's and I think too with relationships like I always say whether it's like a roommate or your child or your husband or your wife or whoever everyone's sensory preferences are different so if you I get home from work and I need to sit on the couch and kind of relax, but my husband wants to blast music and have the lights on. Like that's probably going to be an issue <laughs> because my sensory system needs a bit of a break and maybe his, you know, is, is he's just ready to keep, you know, keep the day going. So I think understanding each other's sensory preferences is also. Very important, and I see that too. Even in my young my young kiddos that I work with, you know, I have a lot of parents who don't want to see a mess. They they don't they don't want it to be messy. So when I come, you know, I'll bring a blanket. I'm very careful with my sensory bins and my sand and all that. Um, But I can tell it's very very difficult when we have you know we'll call them my my little ones that really crave that sensory input. Um, they're sensory seekers, and then you have people that are sensory avoiders, and more than not, the parents are the avoiders, and the children are the seekers. So again, there's that disconnect, and it, it, it does become difficult. So, you know, that's something else that I like to educate, you know, educate my families on, because if your child is constantly seeking input, and they're not getting it, you know, that's going to lead to frustration, and maybe tantrums, and they might feel a little bit anxious, and you know that social emotional piece is affected when we're not feeling our best. Um, so there's always there's always something. I think even if you you know even if you feel like you have a good handle on your sensory processing, it's always amazing to me to you know I did a sensory profile when I was in graduate school, um, and it was very very interesting to see you know, those results. And it helped me actually to be able to understand myself a little bit better and know what it was that my body needed at any given time.
1: On that note, what a great way to end this conversation. I'm really so glad that you've been here, anne Share with everybody how they can reach out to you. And what would you like to leave our listeners with? You can reach out. My
2: website is Ann Marie. It's my first name, a n n m a r i e o tcom um, Also on social media, on Facebook at Ann DeMarco O T and Instagram Ann Marie underscore O T. Um, and I think, you know, if you ever have concerns about your child's development, it's I, I think it's always best to reach out and, you know, get an evaluation or, you know, reach out to someone that has had occupational therapy or, you know, speech therapy and just, you know, use that as, as a resource because the earlier that a child has
1: intervention, the better the outcome in their future. I really thank you so much for being with us today and sharing the work that you do. It really shows through how much you love what you are doing. And so lucky families Mm -hmm. that have the opportunity to work with you. So thanks again for being here with us, Anne-Marie. For all of you tuning in, thanks for sharing time with us. We are going to close out with our fabulous theme song from Smith Sisters Bluegrass. So till next time, this is Dory DiCarlo saying go out and create a marvelous view bye for now she is sure she is, sure. She is strong she is strong